Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaner, the Relationship Help Doctor. Enjoy my expert guests and my tips for getting along in healthy ways with the humans you care about. Today, deepen your self-awareness, increase your confidence in conversations, even the difficult ones, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship to yourself and those you care about, and even those you wish you didn't. It's time for more Emotional Savvy. So today I'm going to do a little departure on Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. We're going to talk about something we haven't spoken really directly about. We've spoken with Karen Covey in a f- two episodes about having a divorce, and in part we talked about money and things. And today we're actually going to talk about money and prosperity and divorce and you and recovery and all those things. So I just wanted to start off today by actually talking a little bit about prosperity. And I honestly believe that prosperity begins between your ears, (laughs) You know, everybody is waiting for the ship to come in or the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or whatever euphemism you've been raised to to think that all of a sudden there's going to be money and you will be prosperous. But I actually believe that prosperity does begin between your ears. And if you're waiting for someone or something to give you what you want in life, you probably wait a very long time. And you may have already experienced that waiting and are getting a little impatient. So prosperity is something that you create. No one gives it to you. So you have to stop waiting and get on with making it happen. So what are you thinking about right this minute? Is it a positive thought? Is it a negative thought? Did you already have a judgment about what I had to say? Did you already think, what do you mean prosperity begins between your ears? Or did you think, yeah, you know, I'm planning on winning the lottery. So what are you thinking about right now? And think about it. Is it negative or is it positive? And let's make some distinctions here. The truth is neutral. It's neither negative or positive. It's judgments that are. So often we fill our head with judgments rather than with truths or even better with creative thoughts. And this is the most practical advice I can give you. Only think about the truth to assess your current situation and then focus only on what you want to create to improve it. Don't allow any gloom and doom and ain't it awful and the world is a terrible place. Why? Well, I wrote a book long ago called What You Pay Attention to Expands. And if you're going to pay attention to gloom and doom and ain't it awful around your prosperity, that's what you're going to be living your life in, gloom and doom. Because what you pay attention to expands. So if I'm always thinking that my life is terrible or that my relationship is terrible or that nothing can improve or that, you know, the world is is against me, then that's what I'm going to get a little more of. And I don't mean to make that simplistic. That is just a very general basic thought. So one of the things you can do if you're thinking about prosperity in all areas, whether that's money or health or relationship or career or whatever it is, monitor your thoughts for an hour or so. 
How many thoughts do you have that are positive and charged with purpose and clarity and excitement and passion? You know, it's reported that the average child up to the age of six, I think that's the number, hears 437 negative messages a day. Think of that. Up to the age of six years old, a child is hearing up to 437 negative messages a day. That is truly a putrid training ground for negativity. So you could be excused if you're still talking to yourself in negative terms until the end of this broadcast. And then no more. If you want to be prosperous, you must change your thinking. I was working with a coaching client recently, and during our first call, I heard these words from him. I just can't decide what I need to do. Life is passing me by. I have no self-discipline, no relationship, and very little self-esteem. Nothing in my life is working. I don't have enough money. Those were statements of truth to him. And my first question was, what do you most want? Well, he didn't even know where to start. In fact, his first statements were more felt than accurate. And as we worked, it became clear that he had many habits that served him well that were working for him. He exercised regularly and he gave himself no credit because he, oh, I only do it to blow off steam, he said. He didn't let people walk all over him, so his self-esteem helped to maintain some very healthy boundaries. And it became clear to me that my client was a perfectionist. Now, that's a bit of trouble, right? Perfection is both dangerous and unattainable. <laughs> so we began to talk about prosperity. If he believed that his first statements about himself were true, could it be that he was keeping those things in place in two ways? By talking about them as facts repeatedly all the time? And secondly, by not taking any action steps to change his situation? Well, I asked him, and he very begrudgingly agreed he was. He was holding those things in place in his mind by repeating them to himself daily. No wonder everything in his life had become a downer. It was time for a change, a change to prosperity thinking. And the dictionary says that prosperity is the condition of being successful or thriving. So you can be prosperous. Change your thinking today and see for yourself. Remember my book title, What You Pay Attention To Expands. You'll find it on Amazon. So listen to your conversation in your head and with others. What are you saying? What are you focusing on? It's not the glass half full or half empty. It's what's filling it that counts. It's your turn of mind. And a big news flash, if you're wondering, you can change your mind at will. If it's become a habit for you to badmouth or poor mouth or naysay, just stop doing that. That's what's going on, going into your consciousness. Your subconscious mind works in pictures. You say, I do not smoke. And your subconscious pictures, I smoke. It has no picture for the word not. 
So if you want to stop smoking, make a mental picture of yourself smoke-free with pink, healthy lungs, bright eyes, and great self-esteem, and great breath. Now beware, you're the painter of the pictures in your mind, so paint the ones you want and never take your eyes off them. Accept the creative power of your mind and focus it on your goals and on your desires and relationship with yourself and with other people. And this is where emotional savvy comes in because it's the emotional nature of what you are telling yourself. Therefore, what are you responding to from your self-talk? So believe that you deserve to thrive. Can you do that? Believe that you deserve to thrive. In the Western culture, the one that we live in, many, well, not all of us, because I know there are people from all over the world listening, but in the Western culture where I live, many people have difficulties with that. It's all very convoluted to believe that you deserve to thrive. And many people seem to believe that declaring that they are good at things is bragging or conceitful or arrogant. But Declaring that they deserve nothing but good seems outrageous. Well, that's really not right. In fact, it's wrong. It's only when we think we're superior to or more deserving than others that arrogance enters the picture. It's not about other people. It's about you. And you are here to demonstrate your deeply held values and contribute your talents. That's simple. That's what makes the world a pleasant, safe place. So how can you do that if you're not fully expressing yourself, if you're living small or living negatively? Not only do you deserve to thrive, you're supposed to thrive. And all the conditions for that begin between your ears. Again, this is getting you ready for emotional savvy. So step out and behave as if. What would you do, say, wear, want, or think if you had all the success you could imagine? Start behaving that way. One day I was giving a seminar and a thought hit me. I asked the group, do you have anything at home that you are, quote unquote, saving for good? Clothes, dishes, crystal, linens, food, jewelry, maybe? Everyone said they had, and they were almost proud that they did. And then I asked, has anyone ever told you to have a good day? And of course they laughed. Each time someone tells you to have a good day, it's a reminder to treat yourself well. Use what you're saving, quote unquote, for good today. Make it a good day. Give yourself the pleasure that these things are meant to bring you. Set a beautiful table for yourself. Wear all your good clothes. Enjoy your jewelry. Go out for a good meal. Treat yourself as the most important person you know, because you are. Without you, where would you be? So today I just wanted to introduce the idea of prosperity because we're going to be talking about it with my guest, Michelle Jacobic, and we're going to be talking about divorce and what happens to the money and how that all runs. But if you don't have a prosperity mindset within yourself, that would be a great place to start because prosperity thinking begins by believing you deserve to thrive and you deserve to be successful. And it continues by focusing only on what you want and where you want to go. 
And that's all between your ears. So these are good ideas and they will help you to create prosperity in your life on all levels. It'll also help you to kind of change your mindset so that if you're in a relationship that isn't going well, you can begin to see how you can contribute to it by starting to expect different things, starting to be a different person, starting to behave in a prosperous, successful, thriving way start to see the good, start to be that positive person, no matter what's going on around you. And I don't mean Pollyanna and I don't mean denial, but just know that you're powerful and you can change your mindset. And we're going to be talking with Michelle Jacobic in just a few minutes. If you want more ideas from me, remember, you can always find me at forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com. Or go to my YouTube channel at For Relationship Help. And if you're not getting my newsletter, Tips for Relationship, go to the website and sign up now so you won't miss a thing. Talk soon. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Rupert Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. Today I'm really excited. I'm bringing to you my guest, Michelle Jakovic. She has written a fabulous book. It's called Prosperity After Divorce. That's what you want, right? Even if you didn't get a divorce, you want the prosperity part. <laughs> so we're going to have a great conversation about that. And we are going to really answer some pretty tricky questions and get every one of us on the path to having that prosperity that is on our own terms as we define it and as we want it. So welcome to the program, Michelle. Thank you, Roberta. It's so great to be here with you. It's so good to have you too. And let me tell people a little bit about you because I want them to know that you are a highly sought after budget coach. I've never heard of that before. So (laughs) a highly sought after budget coach and your financial solutions and divorce support programs have led people all around the country to rebuild their financial foundations. So good for you. That is a great to be able to give someone and the tools and the debt reduction planning and the saving techniques that you put forward with your signature program I'll get this right lifestyle redesign planning and she helps everybody find their goals and move toward them and she is after all the author of this brand new book prosperity after divorce take charge of your finances and create the life you want Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's so funny. You have the same reaction that I get so often from people when they, you know, I introduce myself and I say, you know, they say, what do you do? And I say, I'm a budget coach. And people are like, oh, you know, that's as exciting as, as, I guess it's as exciting as saying you're a diet coach, right? (laughs) So, you know, people use the word health coach and I'm many times asked, are you, are you a financial planner? And my background is definitely, I I had my securities license for years and worked in financial planning and did taxes. And I owned an insurance agency for many, many years, but the budget piece is the part that is actually the most exciting to me. And I love when I get that reaction because (laughs) what happens is people go to that mindset of scarcity 
or limitation, right? When we hear the word budget. And one of my best, my favorite things is to actually dispel that mindset and to change people's thoughts around the fact that the budget is actually a tool that can help them reach their goals and empower them because they start to regain control of their Mm -hmm. buying decisions, their behaviors, start establishing where they're going to tell their dollars to go. So yeah, I'm a budget coach. Yes, and I like it because it's unique. And of course, you know, we think about budget that everybody goes, oh, I've got to tighten my reins. You know, as soon as you hear of a budget, you think I'm I'm going to have to give up my latte. Uh, However, (laughs) a budget is a piece of paper that gives you the opportunity to select how you use your money. (laughs) So it is not a negative. And because we talk a lot about being with difficult people, people, one of the things that they do, these hijackles that I talk about, the relentlessly difficult people who love to hijack your life for their own purposes and then scavenge them for power, status, and control, one of the ways they do that is by saying, oh, don't worry, I'll take care of all the finances. And at that moment, you might feel protected, you might feel taken care of, you might feel relieved, but you also may be totally unaware you're with a hijackal. And by the time that you recognize that you are with someone who actually that kind offer was a manipulation to have control over the finances, then when it comes time to leave them, if that's your choice to leave them, you need Michelle because yeah. there you are. You know, we have many, many offers in this program of good information you know, whether you're talking to how to how to get a divorce or how to do that. But Michelle, you're the first person we've really spoken to about prosperity after divorce. Yeah. And that begins before divorce, doesn't it? Absolutely. I, I You are right on board. And I, I so appreciate the fact that you're holding this space to be able to give information and education to those people that are in a transition or thinking about transition. And this is one of the most serious areas because ultimately, you know, money is security. And when you recognize that you have trusted somebody else with the control over paying the bills and taking care of the finances, and then you realize that you're going to take a step forward into another chapter for yourself, it's very, very scary. And that is a very common theme that I see. You know, I've been working with women this past three years and helping them systemize and organize their budgets. But the thing that comes up all the time when I sit with them is this emotional piece of not feeling worthy, not feeling educated. I have women with master's degrees that have made the choice to stay home and raise their children. And now they're, they're in a situation where they want to leave the relationship and they've given control over to somebody else. And when we start to do the educational piece, we start to do the discussion, all of these fears come up around not understanding where things are, feeling that they've missed the boat, feeling that they gave the power away. And And they did. Yes, and they did. And they get to start at the beginning with reclaiming. You know, they get to reclaim and take charge of their finances. But one of the things that you said that is super important is it takes planning. You know, my biggest recommendation is don't just run out the door. (laughs) If there's an opportunity to plan, you've got to make sure that you've got the time to do that. Planning for yourself, 
planning to make sure that you have your access to paperwork that you need to go be detectiving for, you know, tax returns. I mean, I see it all the time where women, you know, or men that aren't in control of the money that are leaving a relationship, they can't find anything. And it's a pretty scary place to be. It is. And another thing that I've found helping the partners of hijackals reclaim their life is that they're totally shocked when they go to the bank and find out that the manipulating hijackal happened to cozy on up to some bank official and say, well, you know, my wife is really, really ill and she can't come in, but she, she really wanted me to move this asset into my name. Can you help me with that? And much as people ought not to be doing that, <laughs> they right. do do that, right? Right. I had a client not too long ago who's a very savvy client, thank heaven, but she got wind of the fact that her soon-to-be ex had gone into AT&T with another woman posing as her and had her taken off the cell phone plan. Unbelievable, yeah. And this happens, but she was very savvy. She heard that it happened. She recognized exactly what happened. She went to the AT&T store, got the surveillance video, demonstrated her credentials, did everything she needed to do. It took a long, long time. I worked with her for a long time. Courts were always in his favor, but eventually it all came to a head. And guess what? He's been charged with contempt of court. Yep. Excellent. Perjury and money laundering and, you know, not a great guy, but that's the kind of thing that happens. Maybe not to that extreme, but it happens. It does happen. I see it happen. And I think you, you know, the key is that in, in people reaching out to you for support and to me for support, it really is about starting at that beginning place, right? Making sure that you're able to look at what are your basic needs going to be, right? Food, clothing, shelter, transportation, basic. And then looking beyond that and figuring out, you know, what is, what is when you pull back the curtains and you're starting to redesign your life, and that's really what, you know, taking charge of your finances and this lifestyle redesign planning that I do is about. It's about pulling back the curtains. And sometimes you're pulling back curtains that you don't even know what's behind them. You know, one of the things that I'll give an example that you just shared about, um, you know, a spouse be a partner being caught off guard. I have a woman that I started with last month. And one of the suggestions that I make, so they have full view as best they can get full view. I asked her to pull the credit credit report, her report and his report. And she was able to do that and found that there was $19,000 of credit card debt that was taken out in joint name right? So he had applied for the credit cards online, put her down as a joint account. She had no idea. So as she's building this next, her exit plan, she's now aware when she steps into mediation or, you know, whatever process they're going to go through when she decides to take that step towards divorce actions, she has a fuller picture. And it's pulling back the curtain and starting to take some control, looking at what does social security look like? You know, if, if you've been in a 10 plus year relationship, having some understanding that there's some things that you can pull back and start to look at. And it's not just the daily basic needs. It's that bigger picture of retirement planning and college planning. And it's a lot to do without support. Oh, it is a lot to do without support. And on that piece of in, in, in the United States, at least, 10 years of marriage entitles you to that 10 years of access to their pensions. 
And that's an important piece to think about because when I'm mediating in divorce, I always ask those things. And if somebody comes to me and they're at a nine plus year marriage and they're saying, I want out of this, I say, let me help you make it over the 10 year mark. Yeah, yeah. Let's, Let's find a way to not file until it has been 10 years. So I like what you put on the back of your book, Michelle, and we're talking about the book Prosperity After Divorce. And I'm going to read what you wrote. Money is linked to our deepest identifications with security, fulfillment, stability, and freedom. And when we're in a tough place emotionally, such as deciding that we're going to leave, then if our relationship with money is not a good one, a secure one, a fulfilled one, somewhere you feel that you have some power. You're not going to have stability and freedom. So you're not going to have it emotionally if you don't do your work and you're not going to have it financially either, right? Absolutely. And you know, what I found when I went through my, so I went through my own divorce in 2009. And what I found was that in that emotional state of transition, I was bringing I was good with money. That wasn't the issue. I was budgeting prior to getting divorced. I had a background in finance. I was running a multi-million dollar sales business with 14 employees. I had a good handle on money. But here's what happened. When I went through that transition of divorce, in that first nine months, I was so tired of fighting about money, thinking about money, figuring out split assets, kids, college, medical expenses. The last thing I was going to do when I stepped off those courtroom steps was to actually think about money. And instead, I got, you know, a little jazzed up. I have a new chapter to start and I was having fun. And here's what was really happening for me. If we had a split schedule with the kids, when I didn't have the kids, I was feeling that loneliness gap with calling a friend, going out for happy hour, going on a retreat and really trying to mask the loneliness. And I call it hitting up the loneliness ATM is what I was doing. (laughs) And that unconsciousness that I was walking with, that emotional spending, that emotional um, desire not to look at the whole picture and not to take the time to reset my foundation. I mean, we, everything was split in half, 23 year relationship, everything in Connecticut gets split down the middle. So to act as if I, for the first nine months, I was still in the same situation. I was completely lying to myself. And when I got clear about what I needed to do, I mean, I woke up and I was $20,000 less in my bank account because I was unconsciously spending, habitually spending, um, emotionally spending, wanting the kids to be happy. And I realized that I needed to apply the principles that I had walked with for many, many years, but there was still something missing. The formula wasn't just about budgeting. It was about looking at where my emotions were, making sure that I wasn't letting that go under the radar, looking at my habits. You know, I had a habit of, you know, now going out to dinner and, you know, stopping for lunch. We were very, very busy. And when I, when I actually decided to do the deep dive and I pulled back my own curtain on just my spending for eating out, I found I was spending $900 a month. And for me, because I am a numbers person, I multiplied it by 12 and then I multiplied it by 4.9 for some weird reason in my head. The 4.9 years was what I thought it was going to take me to rebuild. And it was $68,000 that I was letting slip through my hands. And I think that's when, when we talk about, you know, these issues of security, 
here I was at a point in my life ready to reestablish that next chapter. And I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to chart my way and feel like I didn't let it fall by the wayside and wake up like so many women that I work with and, and clients that I work with. They're coming to me three years post-divorce, five years post-divorce, and they're not in a good situation because they walked unconsciously in this area of emotions, not working with a therapist. And here's what happens, Roberta. The divorce team dismantles at the courtroom steps. So you may have a tribe and you may have a team and a mediator, but when you're done, there wasn't anybody walking with clients in that first year of that major life transition. And that's what I'm passionate about is taking that supporting role and making sure that they are working with a therapist and that they are looking at the things that require them to reboot. Yes. So couple of things. First of all, for the beginning of what Michelle just said, I just want everybody to take a deep breath. Okay. When you leave your relationship, you don't have to be that super, 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 super saver. You're going to do some compensatory things that make you feel good and you need to. Mm-hmm. But what Michelle is saying is do it with a sense of temperance. Say, I recognize what my needs are. How can I meet them without blowing the budget, right? Yes, yes. And I believe that the budget has room, right? This is where we, when we pull back that curtain, we get to see what kind of room there is for self-care and to make sure that you are able to create the things that you want. And it, it shouldn't be scary. It should be empowering. And so when I walk people through this process of lifestyle redesign planning, we don't start with the money. We start with their vision. We right. start with what does prosperity mean to them? It's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. It means time and freedom. It took me two years to figure out that prosperity for me had nothing to do with the finances and it had everything to do with time and freedom, the freedom to be at my children's games. I actually stepped away from my business that I owned in year four because I realized that I wasn't in alignment with what my prosperity vision was, which was to be present. And I wasn't. So it starts with defining what your security is for yourself your physical security, your emotional security, your spiritual security, your financial security, figuring that out is the first step. Having a new vision for your Mm -hmm. life and then from the vision, working out the budget. Because when I don't have a view of what somebody envisions their life to be like, it's hard as a coach to walk alongside of them and wonder when they're making decisions from a budgeting perspective or a financial pillar perspective, whether those decisions are getting them closer to their vision of prosperity or further away. Yes. And, you know, it's a really big deal and it takes a lot of focus and energy at a time when you feel frazzled, you feel in chaos, you feel in turmoil. The things that you thought your life was going to bring and the plans that you made and the future you envisioned, all of those things now have gone to the side. You've been embroiled in this difficult situation. You've made decisions. And then you say, but what about me? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what about me? And sometimes we don't think about the fact that that what about me says, how do I take care of myself so that I don't feel I'm in financial freefall? And that's a big deal. I ended up with three children on my own, working full time while getting a PhD and writing on the weekends. 
I know about budgeting time, budgeting money. And when you were talking about making decisions, I can give you one that I made. I looked at the level of activity and stress and things that were in my life. I had almost no discretionary funds, three kids. Back in the day, I got the grand total of $120 a month in child support. Wow. And so I, I had almost nothing. And I was married to a hijackle, so when I divorced him, his thing, of course, as many hijackles will do, and you listen to other programs about this, they want to keep taking you to court because it keeps them front and center, it keeps them with control over your life, and it keeps you paying. And so you have to remember, that's highly likely to happen if you're with a hijackle. So the one thing that I was able to accord myself, realizing how much stress I was under, I had just enough money on Monday nights to pay for two hours at a squash club and a babysitter. Beautiful. So that I could go and just beat everything there was to do out of that little ball and, and get it out of my system for two hours. And maybe that's what everybody has to think about is what is the first one thing that allows you to feel taken care of. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Michelle. If do you think there's any correlation between finding yourself in a difficult relationship with another human and also being a person who has a difficult relationship with money? Yes, I do. I think that I see that over and over again that you know, many people when we start to do this this deeper dive into looking at their dollars and cents and, and this money mindset stuff comes up, right? How they were raised in, in regards to money, what the conversation was with their parents. I have, you know, people that I work with, so many people that I work with, and this is important for me as I walked out, you know, post-divorce with my children, is that when we are in that state of trying to figure out our foundation, our children are hearing our sense of scarcity. They're hearing our mindset trash, right? They're hearing it and they're picking it up and they're starting to form their own money mindsets. Yeah. So I find that so many people, when, when we start to, whether it's divorce or any major transition, right? It could be a job loss. When we start to look at our own value, how do we value ourselves? How are we valued as children? How are we treated? If we don't feel valued and worthy, then many times we're not going to feel that way with money either. And we end up with a very unhealthy relationship with money, even when it's there. And we end up, by the same token, with a really unhealthy relationship with other people. Yes. Um, Many times when when people come to me and they say, "I I just need to know if I need to go. And I'll say, well, you know, if there's no sexual or physical abuse... Let's take a breath here. Let's figure out a few things because I would rather that you do your work first and you become an empowered person so that you take that empowered person out of the relationship into life as opposed to taking this person who's upset and miserable and in scarcity and concern and hurting and angry out and then plop them into an apartment and have to face everything fresh from that perspective. So if you have the opportunity, because you're not being physically or sexually abused, 
to do your own work first, to get your finances in order. Work with someone like Michelle. And again, let me tell you, it's Michelle Jakovic, and it's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-J-A-C-O-B-I-K.com. Because these people, we, (laughs) us, uh, and other people who are there to support you are your best investment. Because it will make it clear. It will keep you straight. It will help you establish priorities when emotionally you may feel a little chaotic. You need these structures in place. So in the book, and oh, and again, too, before you enter into a a divorce negotiation, have these things in order. Yes. Because when you go to some, I mediate divorces, and it's just part of what I do, but when they when you have to fill out the financial disclosure piece <laughs> and then people have not looked at what you said earlier michelle they yeah. haven't looked at well what does it really cost and rather than putting well here's how much it was for the gas bill but how much does life really cost yeah it's the biggest piece and you know what roberta you're 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 right I, I meet with people to go over their affidavits. I'm a certified divorce uh, financial analyst. So I do that piece of my practice is also helping people through that process of preparing their documents, right. making sure that they're not leaving things on the table, understanding that fair and equitable may not be what's on the table. And they need somebody to have that voice to discern, especially if they're mediating, the mediator's taking a neutral role. But if you're not educated when you come into mediation uh, and you're not looking for the things that might be hidden, It's very, very difficult, but you brought up a great point because I will tell you that 90% of financial affidavits that I look at, because I'll always start there if I'm working with a divorce support client versus just a regular budgeting support client, I find that 90% of the information is wrong because they are looking at just the black and white of, you know, whatever's on the form. And so they're not thinking about, you know, I'll give you an example. Over the summer, I had three new clients within a week and all of them had children and not one of them filled out school for a line for school, school lunches, school field trips, school pictures, school, anything. There, there was nothing, all three. And like two of them had two children, one had three children. And when I asked, you know, gee, do they do school lunches? Well, yes, but they're not in school right? They were off for the summer. So the school light switch goes off and something else goes on, right? Summer camp goes on or, you know, whatever the kids might be doing, maybe it's babysitting or daycare, but they had left it off. And I'm a firm believer that you look at the whole picture all year and you break it up into little pieces so that they're more manageable. And I think that, you know, that's the biggest piece that when you just looking at the financial affidavit Mm -hmm. gives you that insight to say, oh, what else did I miss? And I find that most people will miss anywhere from $300 to $1,200 a month of expenses because they're in that emotional state. They're really looking at the bills with the due dates, right? That's the easy stuff. If I said, what's in your budget? People write down their bills with due dates, their mortgage, their rent, their cable, their cell phone, their car payments. They're not writing down all of the things like school lunches and the kids come home with an invitation to birthday parties. You pull it out of the backpack and there's three in a month. You know, so we look at the whole picture. 
Yes, and so, so important to look at the whole picture of our life. So I'm really enjoying this conversation with you, Michelle, because the financial piece is a very important one. And in your book, Prosperity After Divorce, you talk about habits. So in the remaining minutes, I'd like to talk about that habit and habit development, because you say habits make or break our prosperity. So what would you say are the top must-have positive habits around money? that we all need to have developed? Number one, using a budget, having a plan. Call it a lifestyle re- call it a lifestyle design plan and get rid of the word budget if it throws you to scarcity or limitation. But having a plan is number one. Absolutely the best habit. Because if you're in control of your buying decisions and you've changed your mindset around how you look at money and your dollars in and your dollar out, that habit in itself is going to go so, so far. I think the other thing is talking about money, that it isn't it doesn't have to be a taboo subject. You know, I tell, I tell so many clients, whether they're in, in a marriage or just out of college, I work with clients in all different segments or somebody going through this process of a life transition, communication and being able to talk about money is super important. And when we are in transition, there's so many teachable moments that we have that we can be sharing with our children and showing them. One of the best habits I see is that people actually start to teach their children about money. They start to model healthy behaviors. And I think the other thing is, um, in terms of habits, looking at the things you want and not beating yourself up for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like naming dollars. You said self-care is so important. And I love, you know, you, you talk about going to a class. You get to build that in. And I think that one of the best habits that you can have in this area of money is caring enough about yourself to make some decisions about saving for, you know, paying, we talk about paying yourself first, saving before we go and spend on something else, really using that habit of paying yourself first or saving for the things that you want without it becoming this, you know, last, it's the, on the end burner, you're the last thing in line, put mm-hmm. yourself first the and build that the into the plan. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways you can know that if you're putting yourself at the bottom of the list, I always say this to frazzled mothers, is if you've been promising yourself a bubble bath for more than four days, you're at the bottom of the list. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Absolutely. And whether or not that bubble bath is, you know, you replace it with whatever it is you've been promising yourself that you were really looking forward to, then it's time for a little adjustment. So I like those. Use a budget, or if you prefer to call it a lifestyle design plan, be willing to talk about money, you know, be, make it part of the conversation because for many people it's verboten. You just don't talk yes. about money. And then the third one was look at what you want and build it into your budget. And that includes self-care. Yeah. Such important stuff. So thank you so much for being with us and sharing this amazing information. I, I hope that everyone will go to Amazon, look for her book, Prosperity After Divorce. You can see it. It's beautiful. There's a woman at the beach looking at the beach going, woohoo, I can afford this. Taking my lunch break. That's right. Yeah, absolutely lovely. <laughs> absolutely. And you can find Michelle at michellejacobic.com. And Excellent. remember, Michelle, in this case, has two L's, and it's J-A-C-O-B-I-K.com. Thanks for being with me, Michelle.
Thank you so much for hosting me. I really appreciate that we got to share some conversation and education with your, with your audience. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I hope everybody will tune in next week to the Relationship Help Show. We have another special guest in a very different capacity. We're going to be talking with Kristen Walker. She's the owner of Mental Health News Radio. And we're going to talk about why that's an important thing to have and what an amazing resource she has created for people to have access to. So I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. Learn more about me at forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationshiphelp.com, or visit my YouTube channel, For Relationship Help. Talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.